please bear with us as we had some slight audio difficulties during this recording. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media! Welcome, everybody, once again to What the Future Holds, because we are in the future. This is the past for us, but it's your future. And we're holding. And, and we're holding. We're in a we're holding, holding pattern. We're in a, hold, we're in a holding pattern. We are in a holding pattern. <laughs> we're, we're circling over Denver Airport, just <laughs> waiting and waiting and waiting. Or you could say we were circling over Nevada's uh, airport in Las Vegas, or maybe Philadelphia's airport, or maybe Atlanta's airport. We're just circling in in a holding pattern. Over Maricopa County, maybe. Yeah, it could be. It's Friday for us listeners, so I don't know what's happening today when this comes out for for us. So we don't know what's happening at the moment. We don't. We don't. Oh, we have an idea. Oh, yes. We have an idea, but nothing's been confirmed still for like, what, 36 hours now? Anyway. As the French say, nothing is concrete. Mm -hmm. Nothing is concrete? Yep. Well, uh, obviously, you've heard my other co host. I'm Brandy Jackola. She is. And with me, as always, is Christopher D. Littlefield. Chris. That's me. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. You found a lot of fun things to do with Zoom tonight. (laughs) I did. I, I found filters where I can put things on my face and head and such. It was a lot of fun. And, and it was adorable and uh, brought a smile to my face and giggles to my throat. Okay, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> awkward. I just made it awkward. And also, of course, with us, my wonderful husband, David Jackala. Dave. Hello. Darling, I know how you are, but tell the listeners how you are. I am well. There's a ray of hope. Peeking through the dark clouds. Isn't there though? And mm-hmm. we had, we actually literally have dark clouds over us yes. right now because there is a one hundred percent chance of rain tomorrow. Oh, it and it's like it feels like spring here today wow. for some reason. It's it, like warm. I was in a tank is. and shorts and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. It's been that way here this whole week. And then it started getting windy today and it started getting cloudy today. And tomorrow it's supposed to rain, and then there's a 90% chance of snow on Sunday, and then we start having November weather. Mm. November weather. This has been Utah Weather Watch. I'm your host, Brandy. Sorry to have interrupted this podcast. Now back to your regular scheduled What the Future Holds. <laughs> and now sports. <laughs> listeners really enjoy listening to us talk about our weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they do. You're welcome. Yeah, you're totally welcome because, you know, environmental concerns are actual concerns, all right? Did you guys oh, listen to the latest episode of the Pod Directive? That should scare the crap out of you. Climate change is a liberal hoax, and you all know it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have to add is there's a great song by Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry called Talk About the Weather. Mm. 
I am kidding. <laughs> uh, of course, I was about to announce that the opinions of Christopher D. Littlefield do not reflect <laughs> the opinions of Hollow Sweet Media as a whole and are editorial only. That'd be also though. That's not really my opinion. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Hard right turn into being science deniers. <laughs> oh God. Oh, then we don't belong talking about Star Trek if we did that, folks. We would. You know. This this week has been a long year. Yeah, let's it take a voyage a really and find the year. ice wall. You know, the whole flat earth thing. Oh, no, that ice wall has melted, didn't you know? Oh. <laughs> because the planet is, you know, uh, it's it's dying. Right. It's we're killing it and we we're we're already past the point of stopping it from becoming warmer. So, oh. but we can keep things we can keep the worst things from happening. But we all right well now that we're all in a cheerful mood (laughs) let's talk about trills baby let's Let's talk talk about about (laughs) oh you're butchering salt and pepper and i still love you uh i didn't mean to do it well it was purposefully butchered because i could not hold a candle to the great salt and pepper and spinderella too oh yeah don't go chasing after symbiotes. That's TLC. Yep. That's, That's TLC, TLC Dave. <laughs> Should we do a Spice Girls one, too? No. Oh, the, totally different the, character. I dry the line. I dry the line. I dry the line of Spice the Girls. <sighs> this is what you're in for today. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry in advance. But what we're really here to do is talk about episode four of season three of Star Trek Discovery. Forget me not. Oh, this so episode. Crying. I, yeah, I'm just gonna say there was the all the ugly cries for me, mm-hmm. and I just I didn't expect it, and I was like vocally sobbing, mm-hmm. audibly, and I wow, I did not know. I I'm just jumping in. I did not know that they were gonna make Adira and Gray a couple. I didn't know that those characters were going to be close like that i don't know if anybody did but when they kissed i was just like i lost it when gray kissed a deer i lost i lost it fun fact uh ian alexander was born in salt lake city utah wow into a mormon family i'm so sorry ian i'm so sorry thank you for getting away from that i'm so glad for you yeah so yeah Considering that the Mormon church paid a lot of money into California. What was it? Prop 8? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. To keep gay people from getting married. That was a very fun time. Mm-hmm. And there are still problems like that. Did you know that recently Nevada became the first state to recognize marriage between any genders? Wow. Well, they they voted to legally protect gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh in this election so it's the first state to do that wow yeah but it's basically any gender or even non-gender so Mm. anybody can get married to anybody else which is how it should be right that's awesome yes it is awesome who would have thought nevada maybe maybe the the wedding chapels in vegas are on a downturn (laughs) just haven't had as much business so they're like Let's open this up. I'm just kidding. Like that is not sex tuple their clientele. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, this is uh, this episode is very interesting because we get to see things about how the planet Trill has changed over the last 930 years. Actually, less than that because we don't really see Trill in the original series, of course, or in Discovery. And really, the next generation canon-wise is the first time we're made aware of it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say like 800 years of history has passed. And uh, I, you know, I think we're just kind of on this particular path where we're going to go to these places that are familiar to us. And it's not going to be great and wonderful. Because... Yeah. The burn happened, and the burn messed up a lot of stuff. And so I feel like it's going to be this fight to get people back to those ideals that we are familiar with and that mm. our crew are familiar with. It's just my feeling. Yeah, I think that there's a kind of like remembering who we are finding who we are again Mm. at our core Mm -hmm. i think that when you are fighting so hard just to maintain what you currently have there isn't any growth it's kind of like a stagnation almost Mm -hmm. and and i i'm sure that nobody intends for that to happen but it just does because you're just so afraid of doing anything else because it might upset the balance and especially with what we find out about trill was how the burn decimated so many of their hosts that they don't have enough hosts anymore which is interesting because in deep space nine they had more people wanting to be hosts and they had symbiotes and that became an issue right and yeah there's this big cover-up so now this is the inverse of that yeah, the trail still being kind of super secretive. Yeah. You know, I think that the trills might be near the top of my favorite species in Trek. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we don't really have anything else quite like this in the Star Trek universe. I mean, there are certain species with that might share similar characteristics, but I can't think of any other species that we know of in Trek that has this symbiotic relationship going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not off the top of my head. But I just love, I love the, the, the Trills just seem to be a very intellectually spiritual people to me. Like, mm. I, I loved Dax Jadzia immediately. Like, she was my favorite character on the show from day one just the way that she carried herself and the wisdom she had beyond her humanoid self years. And there's just like, I don't know, there's something that I find really beautiful about, about the, that species and especially the joined part. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's, I, I feel like for people who have to come after Jadzia because Jadzia set the bar so freaking high because really the only other experience we had with trills was onan and i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna count that really yeah that's yeah that was like when 
we first started mentioning the Ferengi mm-hmm. on TNG, and then they ended up being very, very different than how they were originally imagined. That's okay. Yeah, actually, I appreciate that the Ferengi changed because what they were like before was kind of a lot like the Packlets. They were, they were kind of vicious and also kind of dumb. So yeah, yeah. and think- Picard told told um, them, "I hope they find you as taste." I hope they find you as tasty as something like he made it seem like they ate people. But that could have been Picard just. They had the teeth for it. You do have Mm. very sharp little teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And just just think that next generation, the Fringy was going to be the big bad guy. It's like, uh, no, they were lucky to come across the Borg later on. Yeah, that that helps. It's kind of like how I feel about the Kazons and Voyagers. Like, eh, no, don't make this your big bad because these guys are just boring. They're just Klingons with different hair. Mm-hmm. But uh, they just it didn't interest me. The Kazons did not interest me at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of liked them for a little while, but I'm glad we didn't spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, I preferred the Vidians. They were terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I'm partial to the Dominion. Stuff. Well, the Dominion is Deep Space Nine, sweetheart. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking if we're going to talk about big bad guys. No, the Dominion guys, are quite, Dominion. Yeah. quite a quite a force. Yep. I mean, the Changeling spies, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Galron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really... That was so messed up. <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> so messed up in the best way. It made for some really great storytelling. And it was also exhausting at the same time. Yeah. Here is a question. Okay. If you're about to go to trail with a human mm-hmm. who's host to the symbiote, wouldn't you tell them it's a human? No. Why not? Because that is not information they need to know yet. They need to see it in person. I think that the plan was to get down there. Uh-huh. Before there was any question of, who the host was and i think that that was strategic in that regard it may not have been shown as such on screen but i feel that it's strategic because saru and and burnham know that there's never been a human host that has lasted this long right so this is an aberration this is something new and Mm. different so yeah um I would have done the same thing. I wouldn't have said it was a human host. And I think that that is the best, again, that I think was Culber's reasoning for Michael going down instead of him. And we'll get to Culber. I have many things to say about Oh, yeah, we have Mm -hmm. many things to talk about Culber. Oh, so many things. I think I would have informed them and then tried to judge the reaction and try to gauge how to continue after that. Well, what if they had just outright declined to let them beam down? What if they just, you know, Mm. fired on them, you know? Well, that's a possibility if you come in person, too. Yeah, but you're only risking the people that you send down instead of your entire ship. Yeah, I think it was strategic also, and I I think it was the right choice. Right. Well, if they didn't, it wouldn't be as much of a story. So, <laughs> you know, it's also a writing aspect. You need conflict in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, 
regardless of whether we think it was the right decision or not, that was the decision that was yep, made. Yep, that was the decision they made, yes. It happened. Yeah. It was... So, I'm I'm terrible with character names, but guy in red robe with big strong arms um, that oh, helps uh, them. Z, uh, Guardian Z? Yes, thank you. Love him. Is that right? That yes. sounds like an anime series. <laughs> He's like... Yeah, I... <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> He's like Daddy Trill. He's got yeah. those big old yeah. arms. Zaddy right. Trill. I was like, yeah, Zaddy Trill. <laughs> he, That's he, why it's Z, Guardian yeah. Z for Zaddy. <laughs> he, he, he was, and his eyes, his really yeah. bright blue eyes. I was just like, this guy is fascinating. I want to know everything about yeah. this guy. Yeah, I like him. I hope we see him again. I do too. I do too. He was the one person that recognized that Adira was their future. Well, he had both kindness and wisdom in his eyes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's like one person that sees, that remembers who they were before and yeah. is looking for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Adira from Earth. And then we have, what's his name? And then the, the guy from the Space Western that gets killed. <laughs> and the guy and the, you know, there's, 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 they're encountering one one person in the groups that are that have that hope you know mm-hmm. that are believers we haven't seen a federation ship for so long we knew we were out there somewhere didn't you think that the first part of on when they were on trill was like so tng it was very tng yes so tng i loved it <laughs> like even the set like the <laughs> dressing and everything looked like they were on risa <laughs> it was the, beautiful the but it was like the, yes. the fish was very TNG. I mean, the 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 visual effects were way better than TNG would have done, would have been able to do. But vegetation yeah, and everywhere. like the costumes looked very yeah. TNG, and mm-hmm. they're just like they're all standing there in like a semicircle, greeting oh, yeah. each other, and it was it was cool. Yeah, but I, I find it disheartening that the Trill had never joined the Federation. Hmm. Yeah, that's a little sad, I guess. Yeah. But because a lot of Trill actually joined Starfleet and were on Federation right. ships. So it just makes me sad that they didn't actually make it a formal thing. But they're gonna. They're gonna. They Well, they, yeah, they definitely alluded to that. Yeah. So I think let's talk about Adira and her struggle with trying to connect with the symbiont, which is Tal. And, uh, yeah, we've seen the pools before in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the first time we've seen something happen like what Adira went through. Space sauna. Space sauna, yeah. It, it looked very sauna-like. Um, yep. So Adira comes in in her Mormon baptism dress. Yes, she does. <laughs> and <laughs> she goes Mormons down Mormons do like their science fiction. I wouldn't be surprised if a Mormon was in the writing writer's room. Mm, that's fair, because yeah. you know the whole thing with the with the Mormons getting baptized is it is you have to go totally under the water. You are pushed mm-hmm. under the water. Oh Dressed yeah, same white. Southern Baptist. I was I yeah. was baptized as a kid. I was dunked. Mm-hmm. And so and that it it kind of is like that because she's floating there for a while, and then she just gets you know she kind of has almost a little bit of a seizure. Yeah, and her eyes go just, white. Well, they oh, went white cool. when she started floating. Yeah, when her head like jerked back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. and then she uh she got sucked down and no one had ever seen that before and they put a bath bomb in with her <laughs> that little round thing <laughs> like a very uncomfortable bath bomb yeah. <laughs> unless that's like their version of a rubber ducky or something no just this little well, electric to ball monitor thing. the levels of something to make it, sure yeah. she's yeah, okay monitoring yeah. levels but even right. so it does it did look a bit like a big bath bomb yep it was weird looking it yeah. was weird looking and it was a floaty yeah and and we he's he's the one that helps them out because you know they were gonna they were gonna extract that symbiont without uh permission yeah they, yeah and they, they got ambushed care. even they didn't care and, what happened to adira and michael fired on them all mm-hmm. yep. they had what like force pike looking weapons too yeah those were yeah those were weird they're like electric harpoons yeah well, it uh, it was a poor choice of weapon for someone with a phaser. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or like the Stargate weapons. Where yes, that's what I was that thinking. Fire yes. bolts. Yeah, the, I was one, thinking Stargate. That, those are the ones the glow the glows had, right? Yeah, which actually yeah. makes sense because they they have those the thing that live inside of them too. Yeah, but Ooh. it kind of takes over instead of yes. right. has a symbiotic relationship. It's right. I'm just going to take your body. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Right. And if you die, I'm just going to go into another body. Okay, thanks. Bye. They have no care mm-hmm. for their hosts whatsoever. So the gold or the evil trill. There you go. Thing. Mm-hmm. Well, evil symbiote. I, I don't know if I would call them an evil symbiote. I would call them probably... Parasite. A parasite. Mm. Yeah. 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 A parasite. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and I like how Adira says, that wasn't Starfleet Protocol, and Michael's like, yep, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, Michael was very different. I'm enjoying seeing her just still be different. Like, it's like, I don't know her. I don't know we her. We don't know her. We don't. She's very Star Wars. We're getting to know her again. Yeah. It's She's like they to took a Star again. Wars rebel and they put her in Star Trek. Yeah, well, there's that whole year that we haven't seen. And she did get used to and comfortable with doing things her own way without yep. having any oversight. And now she's got oversight again. She had to go her own way. But her this experience is serving her. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And I the love, crew. I love how much more easily she smiles. Yeah. She's just like yes. so different. Like she's so different. Yeah, she doesn't take herself as seriously as she used to. I think a lot of the guilt of feeling responsible for her family's death, that's off her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Responsible for, you know, taking Discovery into the future, now they're in the future, that's off her shoulders. Yep. Mm-hmm. There, there's no big thing she has to do now. Yeah. Except she has set herself the quest for discovering why the burn happened. Mm-hmm. I missed Book in this episode. Yeah. We'll see him again. And Jet. We'll see her again, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael also came to terms with possibly never finding Discovery again. Mm-hmm. And so she's a little aloof in that respect as well. And she's already welcomed the prospect of not ever meeting up with Discovery. Yeah, but she's she's transitioning out of that 
Yeah. Because she has to be, she is chosen to be part of this crew again. Right. Nobody forced her into it. I mean, yes, everyone expected her to do that, but she also didn't have to do that. But if she didn't do that, then we wouldn't have a show. So she did that. <laughs> yeah. But I like I like that. She's got to re-navigate all of these things that used to be second nature to her. And she's coming yep. at it from a different perspective. But I really just want to talk about Adira. And I want to talk about her memories and finally connecting with the memories of Tall. But not only that, the memories oh. of what had happened before. And I am oh. crying through most of this. Just I am too. I I didn't know they were going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this, I believe, in Open Channel about the kill your gaze trope. Oh, yeah. We talked that about that. With Colbert and the neck snap. Is that mm-hmm. now we're having it happen to Gray. I mean, we're just introduced to him and then they kill him. Yeah. I am not convinced that he is completely dead. Yes, his right. body is dead. But I am not convinced that what we see in the end of this episode is just Adira interacting with the symbiont's memories. Really? Really. Well, he does say, I don't know, twice, but I don't know why I'm here. So right. that he's suggests a- aware. aware. Right, that suggests okay. some type of sentience. And it seems like they make physical contact, too. Yeah. Which is odd. Gray isn't. I mean, if Gray, if she were just interacting with memories, Gray wouldn't be talking about Michael. Oh, you didn't tell her about me. Oh, right. right. Tell her about me. And Hmm. she says, "I didn't think she'd believe me." And he says, "I think she would." So, I think there's more going on there. Because there's there's never been this kind of joining between a trill symbiont and a human. And things are different. Well, it would it had to have been something that happened when Gray died in that moment before the transfer of the symbiont? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. And that's why, you know, we'll just have to watch the rest of the season and see how that unfolds because they're going to go back to that. We may not see it immediately, but they're going to go back to that. can play it now but it ends up actually being a lullaby from from the other host that i just forgot the name so senatal from senna's childhood yeah isn't that isn't that cool oh i love that it is cool and i that's and that's another thing is uh gray was saying your bow work isn't very good and teaching her how to properly hold the bow and properly use the bow on the cello. Dave, you're itching to say something. Say it. I did, and then I it left my mind. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh. So I'm trying to remember it. Okay. Well, as soon as you remember it, just jump in. It doesn't matter who's talking. Just jump in. Um, anyway, so I, I think we're going to see more on that, and I think it's not going to be just... She, I don't think she's hallucinating. I don't think she is experiencing uh, any kind of psychosis. I mm-hmm. think that there's something going on here. Okay. That's my feeling. Which is I why, trust that. Which is why it's 
kind of like, yeah, he might be dead in body, but that doesn't mean he's not still a character on the show. Right. Yeah. Weird ones. So when they're on the generational ship together and they're orphans and they're rooming together, what age do you think they are? Like 15 and 16, somewhere around there? Well, Adira is 16 at the time that we meet her. Right. And she's, she's been joined for a year, is that right? A year, yes. And she okay. doesn't remember anything that so. happened before the joining. So yeah, maybe like 15 or 14, 14 15. 15, 15, yeah. Because yeah. our relationship seems pretty hot for, for the age. What? And? That's what I got. It seemed kind of steamy. Well, they're teenagers in That's love. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you think about it, just like, was it? Romeo and Juliet, they are about that age. Yeah. And so it's not mm. uncommon. It's not uncommon. There have been tons no. of teenage romances because teenagers yeah. always think uh, that this is the best relationship they'll ever have and the only relationship they'll ever have. And maybe it will be, and maybe it won't be. Right. But the two of them had a, such a deeper connection like they weren't just they weren't they didn't just love each other but they were so comfortable with each other that you you know cuz Bray would tease Adira and vice versa. Right. Oh yeah. And that was part of their relationship and that is something you can only get from years and years of friendship. So that's mm. the way it started. And then it grew into something else. And I really liked how Blue acted in the different phases. Yes. Mm of their characters you know arc in this episode like they obviously i mean they did amazing work and because adira she was like very she was just so different before the joining of gray and the and the and the symbiont <laughs> and then like during it and then after and then after mm-hmm. she was integrated with all of her other hosts uh experiences and memories like it was she, she, they had to like present four different versions of this character's life in yeah. one episode and it was we learned, we got so much so fast out of the two of them and mm-hmm. i was just like completely and totally invested mm-hmm. right away like it didn't it didn't feel forced that i was getting all this information and that i was so emotionally involved and attached so quickly it felt so natural and just organic and beautiful that's, that's what i would use organic yeah, it was just like it's a testament to the actors and to the writers because that's hard to do with characters in w- in one episode when we first meet a character and I'm crying that he dies. Like when when I saw the asteroid coming, I st- I was like no, I screamed no and I started crying. And I just met him. <laughs> and apparently he had just joined with the symbiote himself cuz Adira's talking to him about how he's changed and what part is him and what part is this the memories of the symbiote it's like and trying to deal with having your significant other be now basically multiple people it was an interesting discussion and and not feeling adequate it's like how am i going to be your girlfriend in this scenario yeah where you're a different person basically i loved that and i loved that he had this just serene wiser Mm -hmm. point of view and 
Yeah, it was, that was really cool. And I'm still getting the Christian Slater vibe. Oh, yeah. He he does look Just a little the, bit like a young Christian The look Slater. and I think even some of the acting style and even the mocking. Yeah. And of course we get the quilt scene. Oh, that made me cry. That was nice. Yeah. Telling their story together through a quilt. Mm-hmm. With the, the thing. Fixing the <laughs> replicator so it just spit out apples. <laughs> yeah. And playing imaginary chess. Yeah. Yeah. All of those adorable things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder, with that generational ship, how many people were on it, do you think? I, there's no, We don't know. Because when Gray is dying and Adira is screaming for help, it's Dots that show up. Yeah. Oh, it was? I missed that. Yeah, it was Dots. Yeah, that it's a droid up. that shows up and then scans to see if the symbiote is okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that they were different. I didn't think that they were. They, yeah, they I don't know like if dots. it was a Dot, but it was a, they a droid like of some sort. They seemed like Dots to me, but I'd have to watch it a third time to be sure. Yeah. But they seemed like very similar to dots. And so then did they perform the operation? Yeah, they would have. That was my assumption when they were like ready for yeah. transplant or whatever. Yeah, they would have had to have do had to do it immediately because Gray was dying. I mean like yeah. he was yeah. gonna end soon. And the symbiont wouldn't be able to survive right. long enough for them to you know, go to sick bay, prep, etc. It's kind of like emergency surgery. Yeah. I remembered what I was going to say. Say it. Adira in the pool, when she has the seizure, it gets sucked under, and then Michael cannot find her. Where did she go? Is it transdimensional? It's transdimensional. Is it? That's my thought. Because she wasn't physically there. Because Michael I mean, should be able to swim down. down and find her somewhere, and she wasn't there. Well, and then, like, the water was, it was cool, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I i feel like, I don't know how to explain it, but she wasn't physically there. It reminds me a lot of that scene in Final Fantasy VII where Cloud's stuck in the live stream. Yes. And then Tifa has to go find him. Mm-hmm. And he's basically reliving all these memories, much like Adira is. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar scene. This is true, because he was taken and brainwashed and mutated and then and he doesn't remember like things he he remembers things that he shouldn't and doesn't remember things he should so kind of a similar situation except no symbiote and how she's trying to dodge all the strands that are trying to connect to her to give her her memories she she doesn't know what they are that they're she's they're trying to get her but sorry if you haven't played final fantasy 7 none of that will mean anything to you but (laughs) it doesn't mean anything to me those gamers out there know what we're talking about Oh, yeah. It's a key scene. Very much so. Uh, so, yeah. She was physically gone. So, And then Michael was physically gone, too. Because mm-hmm. that wasn't a deep pool. Michael was So, apparently, you don't need the symbiote to transfer if it is extra-dimensional or interdimensional. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know. Yeah. Well... Uh-huh. 
so they've got the little like the symbionts the the they communicate right and they've we don't know much about them and what they do and what they can do and how they communicate but has to do with something like that right Mm. like they knew to pull somebody decided to pull michael down there also yeah i i'm thinking because I'm thinking that that worked simply because Adira was not responding to what they were trying to do. She was fighting them. And so they're like, oh, this person is trying to help. Let's see if she can help. And they brought her to wherever that was. It actually really reminded me. Again, I'm going to make a video game reference. It reminded me of um, part of Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Where... It's, it's hard to explain. There's like this other region that's controlled by one of these gods. But Daedra? Yeah. No, it's not Daedra. Um, okay. Hermaeus Mora, his realm. Oh, right. And there would, it, like it was, a, there was a lot of darkness, but there'd be these really bright areas at the same time mm-hmm. when you were trying to get in and out of that realm. And it, it just kind of reminded me of that. Plus the tentacles or tendrils and stuff. There were lots of those in Hermaeus Right. Mora's. Uh, yeah so thankfully michael quickly figured out and i think that that was it because it was it was michael's experience she's seen stuff yeah and she has pretty good intuition for the most part so like well this isn't working (laughs) let's get this chick down here see if she can do this okay that's gonna happen a lot it seems is michael being the one with the weird experience that allows her to relate to people in an odd way. Well, yeah. yeah. She's the lead character. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but not only that, but she has been a lot through a lot of similar feelings mm-hmm. with things being taken from her and yeah. you know, struggling with identity, etc. Right. So and and just jumping back a little bit i love that scene where adira's like you don't have to go with me i don't i don't need anyone to go with me and michael's like you good then she's like yeah and i'm like okay and she walks away <laughs> with just yeah. this big smile that face. is new that is different from michael michael would not ha- the michael yeah. before the future jump would not have done that no nope. right she wouldn't have especially not while smiling that's <laughs> <laughs> like the don't tell me anything inspirational yeah uh well, and then she says, when she's about to go into the pool, she says, tell me something inspirational. And Michael says, get in that pool before they kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Adira yeah. smiles. Oh, oh, so wonderful. So wonderful. Yeah, it's nice that Michael is able to convince Adira to allow the strands to attach to her and so that she can connect with the symbiote and gain these memories. Well, I think that Michael has already proven that she's there to protect Adira and take care of her and is not going to let anything happen to her. Like when they're ambushed and Michael fights them all off. And, uh, but luckily Guardian Z shows up. Oh, Guardian Z. Mm -hmm. Zaddy trail. And I like that once she, once Adira has finally seen everything she needs to see and is ready to return, 
she's already starting to you're already starting to see that wisdom seeping out. Mm-hmm. And then when she's coming out of the water, the just her facial expression alone yes communicated so much. And this to me is where Terry Farrell set the bar for what it means to the energy of what it means to be a trill. Like she had that from day one. And I remember Jadzia used to walk very focused with her hands clasped behind her back, very calm, very calmly. And, and Adira, once all of the other hosts were integrated, that's what she became too. And I just, I, I think that that's the energy of the trill like that is what really gets me that I just, I'm, and bravo, bravo to Adira. I mean, to Blue. Yes, Blue <laughs> is magnificent. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt the same way about Gray. And Ian. Yeah, because yeah. with Ian, he was different. Oh, yeah. After he had the trill, there was a piece about him that was not as present. Because when you're a teenager, things can just be really chaotic especially with hormones and stuff like that. And it's just, you don't know yourself yet. But after he had been joined, he didn't have any of those problems anymore. He knew who he was and he knew who all of the other hosts were. And incorporated. Yeah, it's very similar to like Buddhist enlightenment. Mm. Yeah where you're not attached to the ego anymore. You've grown beyond that. And I think having all these memories of other experiences that you're not so isolated in your ownness, you know, your own likeness, that you are able to go beyond just your individual will. And if you let go of that, you let go of things like earthly desires and so on. And yeah, it's very liberating. Yeah, there's something very Jungian about it to me, mm. about like, you know, making the unconscious conscious, like the integration of all of these other, you know, it's what people, we do, some of us, you know, work on work on ourselves and, and figure mm. out why we do and say all the things that we do so that it's not like all of these unconscious behaviors are just directing our lives, you know, and we're actually able to, like you said, you know, live in this presence and where, where the ego is less um control controlling and i think yeah it's like surrendering the id and the ego for the super ego Mm -hmm. yes yeah i i Mm. I like it interesting and also when of course z says to speak your names crying again oh my god yes oh to have them all walking out of the mist Cried so hard at that. That was so such hard. a good scene, and that <sighs> shot when Gray disappeared, like the mm-hmm. that beautiful fade oh, yeah. with all the things and the oh, and <laughs> we got a, we got a Starfleet officer. Mm-hmm. It's like the Thanos snap. It looked like more than one Starfleet officer in the past. Yeah, there are oh, several. Yeah. I think there's at least three. Yeah. I've only seen it one time because yeah. I watched it today. Yeah, I kept seeing badges about where you'd have one in Starfleet. Yeah. All different ver- variations of the badge. Yeah, yeah generations oh, yeah. of the badge. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so many beautiful moments. And how what a great name Adira Tall is. Yeah. Yes. It seems to fit, you know? It does. Adira's a great name. Anyway. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I love this episode, y'all. Like it's so wonderful. I really, really, really love this episode. It's also just you know, for obvious reasons, just monumental. Mm-hmm. You know, this love story between these two characters. We've never seen anything like this on Star Trek before. We've never seen anything like this on most television series before. So it was just, it was so, like, I remember how I felt when I first saw Culber and Stamets brushing their teeth in their Starfleet pajamas next to each other in the mirror. You know, that, I cried at that. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and there's been lots of gay men characters on television for a while, not in Star Trek, but, you know, to have an episode like this come around, that's even better bigger to people you know i mean it's i it's just it was it felt like it just felt like a monumental episode it is it'll be interesting to see how they go forward with blue like brandy was saying is if there's some kind of weird physical manifestation of this part of the synthesis with the symbiote and their relationship and here's another thing I forgot to talk about is the taboo of having hosts hook up together, like former hosts oh. hook up together. Mm. Is Are they not supposed to do that if they already have a relationship? Is that part of it? Well, here's the thing, though, is that that was between two different joined Trill and two different yeah. symbionts. Right. Mm-hmm. This is one person who's yeah. and the previous host was right their you know significant other so i don't think that that counts because yeah. you'd ne- they'd never meet each other Mm-mm. joined that's true but there's also a deep emotional connection that you wouldn't normally have between like different hosts well they, there's nothing they can do about it so they have no, to accept it yeah exactly but i don't think hmm. that they would consider that part of that taboo Right. I don't uh, think whatever we're seeing has ever been experienced before. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the human thing yeah. too. Right. <laughs> yeah. It has something to do with being able to join with other species, which is something that, mm. again, was taboo yeah. and shouldn't have worked, but did. And I think that it is showing. It's it's telling the the trill have never even tried to make that a thing that they just they just you know there's no particular virtue in doing things the way they've always been done but they were stuck in that cycle that only Mm -hmm. trill can be joined with symbionts and so that's what they did well and she even calls adira like an abomination or an aberration or something like that right abomination and so like when she did that i was like Oh, that was like a dagger through the heart. It just, mm-hmm. I know what that feels like. You know, people know what that feels like in the queer yeah. community. Like to be, you know, we are often, you know, lots of people think we're an abomination. And so like to be, to have somebody actually say that, like, it was just like such a gut punch, you know, mm-hmm. I, I felt, I felt that. I did too. And I was instantly angry on Adira's mm-hmm. behalf. Yeah. And you saw the pain in her face when she said that. Yeah, whoever the guy was in the gold mm-hmm. outfit. Such a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Mm. Oh. Yeah. I liked Mama Trill, too. 
Yes. The, mo- the mother, tr- I don't know, I can't remember what she was called, but I liked yeah. her too. Yeah. Well, she was rather exclusionist too. Yes, but she but- was the first person mm-hmm. after Adira was spoke her names that said, you know, we were wrong. Right. And you have changed us. You yeah, have given us around. hope. She was yeah, the first now, person to see that besides they can, Z. Yeah. They can look outside the trail to find other hosts, and that's something they hadn't even considered. Well, they might have considered it, but they just passed it off as not possible. Right. And then here comes Adira going, yeah, it's totally possible. Here we I are. like that they that they asked Adira to speak the names. Like I mm-hmm. thought that was really that that was really cool. And that she spoke them all with such confidence because mm-hmm. she knew them all. That made me cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much. Enough. And even the final one, Adira Tall, mm-hmm. with confidence. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My heart. So were we talking about Colbert earlier? Yeah. Colbert got the opening <laughs> log. Oh, Colbert. Oh my God! I remember love last him so week. Much I was like season. so bitter that we didn't get any Culber mm-hmm. in episode three. Yeah, all and the then Culber. like now we got all the Culber. Like Wilson Cruz was just like on it this week, oh, and yeah. I I just was so happy to see so much more of Culber and how empathic he is, and how sensitive and kind, and oh, he's yep. just like taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Taking taking care of the crew, but also taking care of his husband. Like, oh yeah, you know, like oh, I love that man. Indeed, and and that is that is the thing. He explains to Saru that they're all physically fine, but Saru immediately picks up. Yeah. on the didn't say healthy you know, or what you're not saying. Yeah, yeah, and he's just laying it out. He's not sugarcoating it at all. Mm-hmm. And that's the right thing to do because it is, people think that it is a sign of weakness to admit you're not okay. No, that takes great strength. And I think that that yes. was proven by Ms. Kayla Detmer in this yes. episode. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. And yes. I, this, when, I mean, I'm fast forwarding, but when, yeah, when he asked her, are you okay? And she said, no. That, just like that i'm like yep there you go that's that's it that's yeah. that's the truth and that's you have to start with not being okay if yep. you if you ever want to be okay mm-hmm. exactly especially being a pilot and they're used to being macho and handling things you know being under pressure and yeah being able to deal with it and she just couldn't right now yeah i, I did love her tiff with stamets though that was cool yeah. That was great. Thanksgiving dinner. Um, wow. The awkward oh, yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. And also reminiscent <laughs> of, of the Undiscovered Country a little bit. A just little that bit. seeing mm. everyone around a dinner table. I know it's yeah. nothing. The yeah, circumstances yeah. are nothing alike, but. Yeah, you know. it was much friendlier to start with, but still awkward. Yeah. Uh, I love that Linus is now just part of the bridge crew. Yeah. <laughs> and seems to be hanging out with Giorgio a lot. Well. She really enjoys his massive visual spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds dirty when I say it like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- and that's the thing. 
let's okay yeah let's talk about the computer let's talk about the oh, computer yes, yes the and little zora flash zora is oh, making zora. herself known she's mm-hmm. it's the intelligence the sphere data with the ship is combining and it's so cool i loved it mm-hmm. i really loved it but i thought like saru should have been a little bit more suspect I don't think he was. I think he actually kind of took it in stride. Yep. So, yeah, he did. I yeah. wouldn't have. I would have been like, what the hell? Why are you British now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Saru was actually starting to understand even then, because by the end of the episode, he says, you know, it wasn't my suggestion. And that the sphere data had merged with Discovery and was now, you know, keen on protecting them all. Right. Yep, that's exactly what he said. Protecting us. Because yeah. even though uh, it's a machine, it now seems to have a consciousness. And well, a hundred thousand years of data will do that to yeah. a piece of AI. And uh, and and Saru is very empathic himself. So. Oh yeah. He he would recognize such things much earlier than your standard person. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to Culber. Damn it. Well, wait, I like yes. how it, it was like the other voice and then it was the Zora voice. I can't remember the actor's name who played Zora. And then it went back to another voice. Like it was kind of going was, around with three yeah, different voices. It was in and out and just it was like the regular computer voice. Then it was the Zora voice and then it was melded together. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of somewhere in between. But yeah, I we need to talk more about Culver because... Um, Yes, Dave. Uh, the opening montage when he's scanning people during the routines. I love that so much. Because you can see him trying to reach out and get people to admit you know, that they're having issues or having problems. But everybody just wants to just do what they usually do. Just lose themselves in their work. And I think that's what's great about the Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. is it creates this powder keg where all this stress has to find a release. There has to be this safety valve for that to express itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love that montage when he's just scanning people, shining a light on them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think that that whole getting things out in the open was necessary and there wasn't going to be a pretty way to do it. I'm sad right. that it had to happen during Saru's dinner, but... It yeah. <laughs> actually really helped get everything moving towards healing because yeah. there wasn't healing happening. Do you think they scheduled it to happen around November so it would be kind of Thanksgiving-y? No, they didn't schedule it, it to happen around November like because yeah. this series was supposed oh, yeah, to was start delayed. earlier in the right. year and it didn't. Right. So mm-hmm. there was yeah. no intention All of, of these things that, that are happening... Are like, like that it's yeah, yeah the fact so that kismet. it's working out with the pandemic and with election stuff and now mm-hmm. Thanksgiving it's just like like we said before like the universe is using this season of discovery for us it is that's yeah, crazy and we need it we need it mm-hmm. yeah um I I can't remember Tilly's line it's not the word that she used but she basically you know when everybody's fighting especially Stamets Tamets oh boy Stamets and Detmer and 
she's like you guys don't do you think you do you think they have i don't remember the word she is do you think you have a like corner? a monopoly or stranglehold yeah. or corner something like that yeah. you don't have, you don't have a dominion pain. over pain yeah you don't mm-hmm. have you're not the only people who have pain you know we all have pain yeah yeah tilly i i really enjoyed seeing this other side of tilly in this episode yeah. it was like amped up it was it was something she was a she was a version of herself that we have not seen before well when she's trying to reach out and help with using dark matter as a form of transport you know, oh yes yeah. stamets was a and dick. stamets just shutting her down just don't nope, i don't want to hear it yeah well that's because he's not dealing with his pain yeah. nobody is dealing well might maybe some people are but most of the crew are not dealing and that's why you needed this powder keg to go off so yeah. that yeah. things would get out in the open mm-hmm. i love that tilly comes back and talks to saru and thanks him and she says i know this didn't go what you the way that you wanted but it was needed and uh, she says, yeah, this was basically just like a Tuesday night at my house growing up. <laughs> I'm like, I felt that. I like that Stamets apologized to Tilly. And he's like, I've always known that I couldn't have done all this. And she's like, I know. I knew it. <laughs> and he says, I, but I should like, have expressed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I one of the reasons why I really, really appreciate this episode is that you know, after the jump in between season two and three, I was really hoping, and I expressed this on one episode, that I was really hoping that we were going to see the crew deal with the emotional trauma of jumping into the future this far and losing all everybody that they knew before and losing the, the their entire life, lives from before. I wanted to, it, them to deal with that in the story, in the writing, and we're getting that. And it makes me so happy because I feel like if this were TNG uh, or something, we wouldn't get we wouldn't get this much character stuff out of everybody. No. You know, I think that the the type of writing that this is and the type of Star Trek that we have now, they're they're keeping it real. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I just it means so much to me because it just feels authentic. I relate to it. And I think, I think a lot of people do. Yes, a lot of people do because a lot of people have trauma. A lot of people have problems. And we've got to dissemble this whole stigma of mental problems. That if you are having trouble in your mind, that somehow that makes you less than. Mm-hmm. That somehow that makes you flawed. That somehow that makes you substandard. Because nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. And like Detmer, Detmer's a steady hand, you know. And to have her do her haiku with the Stamets blood thing, mm-hmm. that's like way, way out of mm-hmm. character. Like not, really not well type of. Talk about type stuff of- that's human is that there's a thing called the shadow personality that comes out during times of stress mm-hmm. in which the exact inverse of your personality comes forward. Like somebody who's very emotional and failing and caring can become very cold and distant under stress. Somebody who's, you know, very happy-go-lucky can become very serious. And so I think that's what we see there is we see 
very much the antithesis of Detmer in that moment because she's so under stress they can just see her breaking down and just these weird outbursts and it's just getting locked onto the image of Stamets blood in the corridor. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you were right, Brandy, that this is what was going on. Yeah. With Detmer. <laughs> that yeah, you can't just wave off trauma. I mean, there's But people do that in writing. They they, they you know they don't they take the easy it, way no. out. They don't think about what this experience would be like in reality. You know, they just want to write a cool TV show or a cool episode and it's like you know, they're doing that, you know. Well, a great companion piece would be, and they've talked about this series before, but the HBO Watchmen series, it talks about generational trauma uh-huh. of these experiences that happen, I mean, not just to yourself, but to the family that came before you oh, that yeah. gets passed down generations, of gen- especially in, like, black families. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, As generational just, ancestral yeah. trauma and curses oh, yeah. and pain, is that stuff mm-hmm. is real. Yeah, that it's not something you just wave off because Mm-mm. you know you you metaphorically do one thing that that is a breakthrough. It's, it's like no, it's it's a slow, gradual process of of dealing with it and trying to heal those old wounds. Yeah, and still there's going to be scarring even when the wounds heal. There's still a scar. Yeah, and you know they they tried to do that next generation with family episode after mm-hmm. best of both worlds part two yeah and uh yeah it was it was a great episode and then you don't hear anything about picard's trauma ever again until first contact right mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like because we liked the comfort of knowing that everybody was in the same place and everybody was pretty much okay all the time after at yeah. the end of each episode yeah. There was something comfortable and safe about that and maybe that's what we needed at the time. That that would not work now. Yeah. I don't think it would make any sense now. No, and I actually didn't like that about series of the 80s as a general rule. I didn't like the reset button at the end of every episode. I thought cuz I'm I'm a very feeling person and so I'm always putting myself in the place of these characters and how they're acting and i'm just like you guys should not be okay and you should deal with that but they never did until i mean really honestly they never truly did until now in trek yeah well ds9 ds9 to a degree cisco with but cisco. cisco and yeah yes yeah, cisco but that's just one character right you know we're talking about an entire ship that's been through a massive trauma mm-hmm. and thank mm-hmm. God that they are actually showing this and showing the healing, yeah. the slow Bryce, healing. Bryce and Reese seem pretty good. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> no, I think they're, they're just like high-fiving in the corner. Oh, there's yeah. still trauma. There's still trauma. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm totally shipping rice and breeze now oh my god me too i want i, I want to see them make out did what liam did rice and breeze what do we call them breeze what did you call rice and breeze rice and breeze instead of rice and breeze yeah i love them yeah I, I have to tell you this this is very silly um 
one of the new Hallmark Christmas movies did have Ronnie Rowe Jr. in it. And that's all I can say about that. Yeah. <laughs> he's yes. very sexy. He is. It's just fun to see him do something different. And he's it just... Delicious. Was he wearing any flannel? <laughs> I don't recall him wearing flannel, no. He might have worn oh, sweaters. Okay. Uh, yes. Sweaters, sure. There might be a scene mm. with snow. Yeah. Uh, during a Christmas movie? Nah. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, they film most of those not during the winter. And so they have to uh. make things look snowy and yet you're just like okay um you guys didn't film this frame this very well because i can see a tree in full leaf back there all right so you just like the the rain scenes when there's obviously like when they just have the giant sprinkler Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over the house or something it's like it's kind of only raining exactly over the house yeah yeah i loved in i kind of mentioned this before but i really loved at the dinner table when Stamets gets all pissy and walks away and then uh, Culver gets up and follows him and just kind of gives this, "Ah, I got to go take care of him. Look to Mm -hmm. Saru. Look what happened. I got to (laughs) go. I got to go too. I thought that was very dutiful. And then when Kayla gets up, you see Owo do the same thing. And Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Tilly. Yeah. Because, yeah, they're kind of a, a three group of friends. Yeah. Uh, how about the reintroduction of the movie night? Enterprise reference! <laughs> there, I know that there are some people who are more reminded of Calypso, but let me explain how that is not really what they were going for. In Calypso, there was one person and a computer. In movie night, there were many people on the ship, gathered together to watch a movie together with popcorn and whatnot in the same place. That is what we had at the end of Discovery. At the Did you see the the Discovery popcorn yes. container? Yes, I did. Please sell them. Please make them. <laughs> yes. yeah, please, please do. <laughs> we need we to them. buy more stuff. We do. Just buy all the Star Trek stuff. So for me, it was immediately, oh, this is movie night like Enterprise used to do. Because there you have the whole crew watching movies, blowing off steam. You've got that one person who's pretending that they're not enjoying themselves, even though they secretly are, especially when their boyfriend brings them popcorn. And <laughs> I'm talking about Giorgio. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was just, to me, so blatantly, you know, just saying, hey, we remember Enterprise. We love Enterprise. Have a movie night on us. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Made me very, very happy. Uh, there's one thing we haven't mentioned, and that's Adira deciding to continue going with the Discovery crew. Yeah, that, that wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a surprise, but yeah, just that decision that that's where she feels like she belongs and that. That she's meant to be there. Yeah, she's meant to be there. She's yeah. meant to help with their mission. Right. It's really cool that they were just immediately okay. Yeah. Godspeed sort of thing. You know, keep, let us know how you're doing. <laughs> well, if they say no, they're arguing with what, like eight people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're outnumbered. See, that's the thing. They finally accepted her <laughs> as the host. And so now they are mm-hmm. not going to question 
uh, her experience or the experience of the symbiont. Mm-hmm. But keep in contact. Mm-hmm. Keep them apprised. Yeah. yeah, I have. I really have wanted to see uh, the trill play a larger role in Star Trek. So I'm hoping that that continues. Um, I also really love the idea that we're really expanding on this idea of chosen family. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're picking up people as we go along mm-hmm. and bringing people together as we go around from place to place. You know, we're creating our own yeah. family. We're choosing our family, which, as you know, a lot of us have to do. And um, also, we've got these different areas. We've got these different characters that have all of this knowledge that they can use, and we have no idea what it is. For instance, obviously, Adiratol, because we've got all the hosts now. Obviously, Senna's going to be important. Mm -hmm. And then we've got now all the sphere data that is merging with Discovery's computer and creating um, its own life form. And Michael's year of experience before Discovery got there. So we've got like this kind of trio of you know, experience and information and stuff that can help us with whatever the hell is going to happen because we have really no idea at all. I'm wondering if um, the showrunner is that familiar with the classic British sci-fi television series, Blake 7, because there's some similarities here in that it is a ship of misfits, of outlaws. They're not exactly doing that because, you know, these are the goodies, (laughs) (laughs) but the idea of all these different personalities that have to work together for like a common goal plus they stole a ship that has an intelligent computer like it has an artificial intelligent computer and so there's these similarities to blake seven that i find interesting i do not know that series yeah it's uh it didn't go for very long but it is with it being a British series, they would have very short seasons, like six episodes long. So it didn't run for a super long time and there aren't a lot of episodes and it can be hard to find. Yep. It was cut short and it has one of the most notorious endings of a science fiction series like television series ever, because they weren't going to make any more that they just had to end it. And the way they ended it is like incredible. It's like jaw-dropping. Oh, notorious in a good way. Yeah, well, mm, (laughs) it depends on your opinion of the series. But yeah, it's just the ending is, you know, just kind of knock your jaw onto the floor. Mm. What was it that Culber said to Michael uh, when he was trying to get her to be the one to go down about being something responsible? She's a responsibility hoarder. Yes. I think is what he said. And she said, I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah, their conversation. Mm. You know what she knows, though? She's she knows now. So she wasn't aware. She would have she would have resisted that in season one and probably for most of season two. Well, yeah, all of season two. Also, I would say Well, Spock called her out on that, too. Right. More than once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that she like has a martyr complex? Just right. Right. Put everything on her shoulders. 
there's so many. Yeah, I can relate. So, yeah, I know you can. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, over-functioning. You yeah. try and control and take care of everything else when you, mm-hmm. you know, you're not taking care of yourself. Right. You know, you're not being responsible for yourself. You're trying to be responsible for everybody else. You know, codependency can come into play with stuff like that, too. I don't think that's Michael, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I think you take the co off of the independent, and that's Michael now, independent. And mm. she's, I she's gonna struggle a bit with being a first officer because she doesn't yeah. get to call the shots. Did you think like it was? I a couple times during the episode, it, I had to like remind myself, oh, we're looking at Captain Saru and First Officer Burnham right now. Like there right. were a couple moments that it was obvious that that dynamic was not really secure. And it was just like, oh, this is this is awkward and this is weird, but this is how I have to see them now, and this is how they have to see themselves now, and we're really not comfortable with that yet. I don't know. They're not comfortable yeah. with it either yet. Right. But right. S- Saru said to her, you know, when he was before she had committed to being his first officer, that he trusted her to grow with change, and you know, he would be patient with that the same way she was patient with him. So I think he gets it. And I think we're going to see that solidify more throughout the season. Because we still have, like, what, nine episodes to go? Yeah. Yeah, nine episodes to go. There's still so much story. Still so much story to tell. And it's a perfect setup for them to do so. Because there's no Federation in place, really, as we know it. So it's not like they, they're they having to report to, you know, or they're having to take orders from from <laughs> from other from other uh, people yet. Well, well, Brandy's making a quiet face. Well, What's this, the is, quiet? this is not oh, a spoiler. Oh, because you've gotten no. the thing, you've gotten the this episode is, for next week and you've seen it. Yes, but this is not a spoiler. Yes. This is not a spoiler because at the end of the episode, Adira gives Michael a, t- a pad with the coordinates of Starfleet headquarters. Right. So, right. and if you watch the next week on the teaser for next week, you see that they're going to make it there. And we get new uniforms again. Don't like them. <laughs> How many uniforms yeah, have we gotten in like the last two, three years of so Star many. Trek? So many. Oh my so God. On Picard, there's like three generations of uniforms. Yeah. Now we're, we had two in season two of Discovery, and now we've got we had the ones with the previous Trill hosts in this one, this episode, and then you know the current ones, and it's like ah, I love Starfleet uniforms and all the different flavors. <laughs> Costuming is having fun. Yes. Still nothing for big girls, but anyway, one mm. thing I will say about the following week's teaser. Uh, next week's teaser too is I saw a very familiar face in the Admiral that they are talking to at Starfleet headquarters, which is a, an actor I have loved for many years named Oded Fair, which I just call him Odie because I can. And I have been, I've been seeing him and stuff since the nineties and have just always adored him. And I am so pleased to see him in Star Trek. I can't even tell you. Nice. Rocking a beard. Rocking that silver beard. Oh, my God. So sexy. (laughs) You know, I noticed a little bit of gray or white in my beard the other day. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I've noticed it before, but I noticed a new one. Look at this yes, whole but, thing right here. But that's like <laughs> glorious. It's it's getting there. I wish it would just migrate across all of the bangs, all of them. Just go, just go. No, all. it's cool. Because I've got like this, and then this, and then kind of some. Yes, like, it's super Star Trek. It is very Star Trek, and it's all yeah. natural, folks. No one can see this, so I should stop. It's like a Voyager type of thing, like you know those ones that had like feathers in their hair, feather hair or whatever in that one episode. <laughs> The bird people thing? Yes. <laughs> the one where Tom was accused of murdering and was, they were yes. making him relive that every, what, 20 minutes or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. Not very good. Not my favorite. Really didn't. Not my I, favorite. And, and, you know, Robbie Duncan McNeil really hated that time period. He was, He just did not like the way that they wrote Tom. And who can blame him? Just yeah, just the first few years, he got better. It got better. It started getting better in season two. It really, really did. But I think he really hit his stride in like season, late season three, season four. Hmm. But uh, I haven't gotten all the way through those yet. Because anyway, sorry. This has been Voyager Corner here on What the Future Holds. Yeah, well, we've covered pretty much every series now. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. Uh, So, uh, final thoughts, Dave. Let's start with you. I do have a final thought. I have been talking about how this season has been more episodic. It's not like just this continuing mini-series that each episode has its own kind of flavor, its own kind of subgenre. And I think this time we're doing a family drama. It's very much like Ordinary People or Home for the Holidays or something like that, where you get this family together and all these tensions rise and you have truths come to the surface and... People have to deal with their dysfunctions. I really like that. And that's a different approach to Star Trek that I don't think we've ever seen before. I like the character-driven story. And I like them dealing with interpersonal problems like the battle between Detmer and Stamets as to which one moves the ship. It's not just Stamets alone. That Detmer's also necessary for all the lives on that ship. It's nice to get that out in the open. Yeah, and I like that we get a love story and a beautiful, beautiful, meaningful, deep love story, and it just so happens to be between a person who's gender non-binary and a trans person, and it's a just a we get a beautiful love story. Here's a question with uh, Gray. Do we know if the character is a trans male or not? Because I haven't heard anything, or if it's, is it just a trans male actor playing no it's a trans a male, male actor playing a trans male a, character right okay because yeah. that wasn't um it doesn't need to made be obvious it doesn't need that's, to be that's yeah. the it's announcement just, i was wondering that's the announcement that they made the first right. non-binary right. character the first non the first trans <laughs> character right it's not like we're you know this is this is where like people think oh like sometimes people think oh there's got to be like that has to be the story that has to be part of it no it doesn't the person a person can just be trans and yeah like it's like it's not like you ask oh but do we really know if stamets is a cisgender male or is he really written that way or is he just Mm. played by a cis male you know what's the difference yeah i wouldn't mind either way i just i didn't know yeah no no no. i'm not i'm not coming at you i'm just saying right oh I well, know you're 
you're I'm you're, the casual fan, so I don't have all this additional information. I'm not reading the articles, you know, I'm yeah, not yeah. following yeah, it was announcements announced. as yeah. closely. Yeah, it was announced prior to the season okay. starting. I think it's much more impactful that these people just are. Yeah. You know, they just are. We just are. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is how it should be. There yeah. shouldn't be a big to do about this stuff because it's normal stuff. Yeah. Just like everything else, yeah. just like any other person on the planet. It's People. the same way they dealt with Culburn Stamets yeah. and, you know. Right. Well, and yeah. I think it's important that trans people play trans characters and non-binary people play non-binary characters simply because they have that personal experience to draw from in their performance. To me, I look at it the same way that we look back at history and see white white people being cast as Asians and having their eyelids taped Mm. down and such. And that was happening, you know, even into the early 90s I look yeah. at that the same way. If you're going to have a trans character, do your best to find a trans actor because there are a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with non-binary. They're out there. Find them. Use them. Mm-hmm. That's what that's they're in this industry to act and you can't get a better representative for a transgender person than a transgender person. Right. Mm. Totally. Totally. Cool. Uh, any other final thoughts, Chris? This is, this is I after watching it only once, and I'll watch it again probably tomorrow before we record open channel, but I think this, this might be up near the very top of my list of favorite Discovery episodes so far mm-hmm. in, in the entire, all of the episodes we've been given in the th- last three seasons. Indeed. I am reserving yep. judgment for favorites until the end of the series. Of the I'm just saying right. right now, that's how I feel. No, no, you did say so far. You did say so yeah. far, and I get that. Isn't Bruce famous for that? Is each new episode's his favorite? No, that's Dan. <laughs> so many. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's Dan. That's Dan but he says, that's he always says, favorite. so far. Yep. So, so far. Right. Yeah. That's the caveat. That caveat. That's nice. Yep. Yeah, it's good. I it's got a good A plot. It's got a good B plot. It's a solid episode. Okay, what are your final thoughts, dear Arling? Uh, I am. There was something you said, Dave, that I was going to continue off of, and I can't remember what it was. But that's okay. Uh, Don't, was no, it the family drama no, no, no. part? Do not start with the was it this, <laughs> okay. was it this, was it this. You're only going to muddy the waters. Was it the <laughs> part where Giorgio was at the table and said, I didn't say I, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here I am. Or whatever. Yeah. I also like when she's stabbing the food during Saru's speech. <laughs> and then she just tosses the fork back down. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did like that uh, they did go around the table and do you know their vote again. That actually made me but oh that was nice i i think that this this season of discovery is so important for normalizing what we as people are experiencing right now and saying you know how could you be okay look at what you've been through it's okay Mm -hmm. to not be okay and i love how kind and giving and also, you know, with a good sense of humor, 
that Cobra is handling this. He's not sugarcoating it, but at the same time, he's not, he's just being so compassionate, which I always knew about Cobra, but I love to see all of this coming out. And Wilson Cruz is amazing. Yeah. And Cobra Doctor is best doctor. Cobra Doctor is my favorite doctor now. Yeah, mine too. For sure. I mean, he was already pretty much my favorite doctor from season one, but you know, really super my favorite doctor now. <laughs> Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, the another thing that really got me was Stamets hugging Detmer at Lavina. Yes. Mm-hmm. That hit me in all of the feels. In fact, right now it's hitting me. It's hitting me in the feels <laughs> right now. I yep. I definitely had a lot of emotional reactions during this episode. So it's a very emotional show. Yeah. It's like um, Chris says, it's a very emotionally intelligent series. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and this you know, this episode just through the yeah. roof. Yep. There was there was sobbing on my part. So uh, we're you know if we're tallying up the score so far for Brandy's crying on season three, we are four for four. Uh, I'm three yeah. for four. So anyone keeping score at home, that is a one hundred percent so far crying at episode and seventy five percent for Chris. Yep. Yeah. Zero uh, percent for me. Oh, you unfeeling, cold hearted. I'm a robot. Dave never. Okay, I've seen Dave cry three times in the entire time that we've known each other. Yeah, there's our honeymoon. It was when that Simba was Kitty when... died. Simba Kitty died. That destroyed me. And there me. was that day you got in that car accident. I don't remember that one. You remember when but, you wrecked yeah. the Ford Taurus? Oh, yeah. God. And I didn't know where you were, and you didn't have a cell phone at right. the time, and I was worried sick about you. Right. Anyway, yeah. Not yeah, here, not now. Not here, not now. <laughs> he's the uh, he's he's blocking it out, and that's okay. That's you got to have balance, yeah, probably. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. It's okay. You not everybody. Not everybody's a crier. Nobody. Not everybody has to be nope. a crier. And nope. just what I appreciate about I think let me try that again. What I appreciate about you, Dave, is that you don't shame me for being a crier. Oh heck no! So many other I'll people. I'll just get you a tissue. Yeah, exactly. You don't get uncomfortable. You just hand Mm-mm. me a tissue. Oh, yeah. you guys! No, uh, it's so sorrow sweet. is a spiritual condition. Yeah. Well, I cry for many reasons, and I cried for happy reasons yeah. a lot. This cry time. for happiness. So, cry for anger. That too. I, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that does it for this discussion. Of that does it. Done and dusted. And so uh, let's do the normal thing and tell people where you can find you. Go, go, Chris. Go, Chris. Go, Chris. Okay. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. And then my other two shows, Open Channel. You can find that uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Open Channel Trek. And there are four questions at Four Questions Trek. And that's the number four at Four Questions Trek. David. David. I am on Twitter as Dark Cornercast. You could also find me under DJ Evil Dave, which is also a Facebook page where I occasionally share links to videos of music that I'm digging at the time. Speaking of, I would urge you to over on Bandcamp, there is a compilation called You Are Not Alone by Darkness Calling. The proceeds all go to the Trevor Project, speaking of LGBTQ issues. Um, it's only a dollar if 
you just want to spend a dollar, but I'd urge you to pay more. I spent $20 because it's a 20-song compilation. It was released around Halloween. It's all spooky, dark music, gothic, post-punk. There's dark wave on there. I think there's some EBM on there, too, if you're into electronic body music. And I gave it a bit of a listen before we recorded this, and it's some good stuff. Some unfamiliar bands even to me, and, uh, you know, I know the scene. But yeah, I urge you to do that and uh, help out with uh, some LGBTQ uh, issues. Nice. You can find me here on the network of Hollow Sweet Media, also doing the Vedic Assembly with my friends Liam and Nick, and on Boldly Go, Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast with my friend Suzanne. We have a great time on all of those shows. You can also find me doing a couple of live shows on Saturday because I just can't not do them. You just can't get enough. <laughs> I just, just can't get, get enough. enough. Just can't get enough. We're doing Depeche Mode now. Boy, we are musical <laughs> yep. tonight. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what? what? Just the story what? about Depeche Mode is that a member of Depeche Mode later on went and was in Erasure, right? Started Erasure. Yeah, started Erasure. Um, Lady Gaga talked about this because she wanted to work with Depeche Mode, and all these Depeche Mode fans were just ragging on her for it. And it's like, no, she's correct. She knows music. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, oh, no, Erasure and Depeche Mode have nothing to do with one another. It's like, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. It's like they took the fun part of early Depeche Mode and started another band doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. i love it i love the razor it's great music yeah good times yeah so here's the thing don't tell a music star that mm-hmm. they don't know about music maybe you should check wikipedia before <laughs> you write your mouth yeah Just somebody was writing you know. pop music for big pop stars when she was what like 18 or even younger 16 i 16. think it was 15 or 16 yeah. yeah yeah don't mess with the gaga no do not mess with the gaga uh, what else was I doing? Live shows, live shows. So on Saturdays at 1 p.m., we do Infinite Trek with my friend Aaron Harvey, where we talk about the uh, things that are going on in Trek, which right now is Discovery. So we're talking about Discovery. Except last week on Halloween, we talked about some scary Star Trek episodes. That was fun. That was fun. Years past. Yeah. Had a great time with that. Uh, and also, uh, you can find that on Twitch on the Outpost 13 channel. It's Outpost just spelled like outpost and then number 13 so again saturdays it's 1 p.m mountain time then at 7 p.m mountain time i get to do the unready room with my friend dan where we are also currently talking about star trek discovery we're gonna have completely (laughs) different conversations on all of these things because different people different conversations three shows about discovery three different conversations yep and so you will find that on Dan's YouTube channel, which is Kurt Ratz Productions. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. Have a great time with that. I do a solo podcast sometimes, someday, called Head Cannon, where I talk about all of my fandoms and all just the weird shit that goes on in my brain, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of weird shit in my brain. Yeah. It's very stream <laughs> my, of consciousness. My brain is weird. Yeah. Uh, not in a bad way. Well, some kind of in a bad way, because <laughs> bipolar disorder. <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and you can find that at darkhorrorpodcast.com <laughs> as well. And I think that is it. So, that was so cute. 
Thank you. It's kind of a slice of what uh, headcanon sounds like. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening and joining us. And check in with us next week to see what the future holds. <laughs> Looks like Brandy's frozen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, when she comes back, we'll ask her. Well, yeah, ask her what her final thoughts are. Yeah. No, no, Miss Lamont. Round tones. Round tones. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer. List other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for... The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season, I think, and maybe the second than it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character? I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed mo- most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for there are four questions. A Star Trek Spotlight podcast that felt pretty cool and that's when I, I really really started connecting with star trek when i was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan so that was where i started getting it was like hey i could do this i remember writing <laughs> i sent this letter to him i wrote to um eric stillwell before i moved to, to los angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff and then i had this idea never heard back from him Loading Holosuite preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it was called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, And she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I and I like how and I was thinking about the uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book. So and and this book was written in '85, so it could have been inspired by Cats in that way. Computer deactivate Holosuite.